Comic Book Time Machine, episode 45. No man escapes the manhunter. Oh, man. We have completed the Dumas arc, and it has put me in a mood. Yes, time travelers, I feel the need to go even further back in time. And I want to pick up something off the spinners. The spinners of the past that I have never even sampled or considered before. So let's warm up the flux capacitors, because it's time for us to grab not a Manhunter title, but giant new double-length Thriller, Justice League of America, number 140. Time travelers to pick up a copy of Justice League of America, number 140, titled No Man Escapes the Manhunter. Don't go back to March 1977, as the cover indicates. No, you're going to need to take your 50 cents, your two quarters, to December 6, 1973, to get this issue hot off the presses. The story is written by Steve Englehart, who might be a name familiar with many comic book readers, with pencils by Rich F. Buckler. If that name's not as familiar, Buckler helped co-create Deathlock. And it's got inks by, inks by Frank McLaughlin. For those of you keeping track at home with your trusty scorecard, the Justice League roll call in this issue is Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Black Canary. So now that you have your issue in hand, let's jump into this second ever appearance of Mark Shaw, the Manhunter. As members of the Justice League hang out at Bruce Wayne's penthouse, as provided by the Wayne Foundation to the Justice League, a figure arrives and attacks the Leaguers. Yes, it is Mark Shaw, Manhunter. And he makes quick work of Black Canary and Green Arrow. Manhunter, though, has come for one man. Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern, is firmly in Shaw's sights. As Shaw approaches and sees the uh, Jordan's fallen teammates, Lantern tosses up his hands and yells, I surrender! Take me, I am your prisoner! And the readers ask, what is going on? Despite the surrender, Arrow and Canary recover quickly and attack Manhunter again. Shaw declares, There could be no witnesses to the work of the Manhunter, such as the Code. With this truth in the air, Manhunter makes his victims also go up into the air and disappear. And when Batman arrives at the Wayne penthouse, his teammates are completely gone. But what Batman does find is Mark Shaw, Manhunter. Manhunter is shocked that Batman has caught him since no one has ever heard or seen the Manhunter at work, so for someone to catch sight of him is shocking. And as for someone who's part of a secret cult, he's even more shocked when Batman asks a different question. Are you Paul Kirk? Batman is aware of the Kirk Manhunter who preceded Shaw. Saw Shaw solemnly announces that he is currently the only true Manhunter. Shaw explains that over the centuries, no Manhunter has ever been stopped, and no Manhunter has ever left a witness to his deeds, except for Kirk. 
which really kind of feels recent to me, to be honest. Um, he also states that Kirk failed to win his baton through his actions. So basically, Mark Shaw runs Kirk through the mud. This dialogue is, of course, broken with Shaw yelling the very eloquent, Die, Batman, die! And he attacks the Dark Knight and makes his escape in his transphere. With Manhunter gone, Superman and Wonder Woman arrive on scene. Yeah, the most powerful heroes get to the Wayne penthouse last. The transphere is dimension jumping, so the trio call in the last member of the League, the Flash, to chase down the villain. Flash quickly returns. It turns out that Manhunter has not escaped to another dimension. No, he's in Nepal. Meanwhile, in the Nepalese Manhunter temple, Green Arrow awakens groggy and thinking he might have been drugged. The Grand Master meets with Manhunter to complete a performance review. And it's a rough one. He's not meeting expectations. The Grand Master points out that Shaw failed in his first mission. Now, failure is a funny word since Shaw captured three members of the Justice League, including one touted to be the most powerful of them all in a Green Lantern. And this being Shaw's first mission, I, I guess the promised Kirby battle with the Hog never happened. Hmm. The Grand Master continues and chides that Shaw's uniform should have been enough for him to defeat the Justice League. Which to me sounds like crazy pants. Well, it's kind of a jumpsuit thing. Which sounds to me like crazy jumpsuits. Just saying. Shaw decides that it is time to get real with his mentor and accept this feedback. He takes off his masks and admits it was Sire. Apparently the clothes do make the man. But the man inside Shaw failed to utilize it correctly, he begs. I panicked, gambled on an escape that didn't succeed. And again, this is killing me. Shaw kidnapped three League members and is a giant failure, including the one he was sent to go get. Okay, Grandmaster, could you give him at least a meets expectations? But the Grandmaster's next words explain. Our greatest weapon has always been our anonymity. The long arm of the Manhunter is never expected. Oh, now. Okay, now we get it. Since the Manhunter is no longer Bigfoot or the Yeti because he was seen by Batman, he has failed despite getting his man. He's no longer a myth. He's no longer fiction. He is, in fact, reality. Canary springs into action and beats a maskless Shaw. See, the clothes do make the man. So the only one strong enough to stand against the League, the Grandmaster jumps into action. With Arrow, Canary, and Lantern defeated, Shaw is ordered to put the three heroes into the Turbo Lock, which is a glass cage. And Shaw lectures the Leaguers. The Manhunter strikes for justice. Arrow rebutes. Uh-huh. Against the Justice League? And the explanation points, as they do throughout this Englehart-written issue, continue to fly. Arrow asks Hal to cut them free with his ring. But uh, there's some bad news here. Lantern never charged his ring. Perhaps this is how a manhunter beat him. Batman, Superman, The Flash, and Wonder Woman arrive in the Himalayas. The four break into the manhunter lair and are quickly neutralized by the Grand Master, including Superman. The Grandmaster puts the four into a shrinking box, and the leaguers love the tr trash compactor scene from Star Wars as they live it. 
They were only able to escape by having both Superman and Flash vibrate together, creating twice the speed and allowing Flash to break free. This allows Flash to do something no one else can. Take down the Grandmaster! And finally, the League is free. With cooler heads now functioning, Lantern admits to destroying a world the day before. Hmm. He is totally distraught, as we can imagine. The League and the Grandmaster agree to investigate the situation together. But if Lantern proves guilty, the Grandmaster will kill him. The Grandmaster admits that the Manhunters do enforce laws, but their primary mission is to hunt men. And since Manhunter Prime has brought Green Lantern in, his task is complete. Again, Grandmaster, can I please remind you, Mark Shaw meeting expectations. And then Batman accuses the Manhunters of being dirty, dirty, dirty bounty hunters. An opinion the Grandmaster takes no heed of. Because they just hunt men. Lantern recounts a tale of how he destroyed a world the day before. He was cruising through the Procyon system, past a small planet, when a swarm of exploding meteors attacked him. A moon was projecting strange magnetism effects which tossed the meteors at Lantern and had set the moon's planet off its orbit. Lantern set a bolt of green energy at the moon, which of course then bounced off, hit the neighboring planet and destroyed it. Hal jumps to the conclusion that the moon must have held some sort of yellow ord leading to his deflecting shot. Shaw stands guard over Lantern, Arrow, and Canary. And the Grandmaster leaves with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Flash to investigate. Shaw is, however, uncertain. He idolizes the League and cannot stomach holding them prisoner. The Grandmaster tells him to grow up, abandon hero worship, and become the Manhunter. Without Lantern to provide them bubble space travel, the investigating party takes a little-used spaceship to the site of the catastrophe. They arrive in 90 minutes. Good time, Justice League! And they land on the planet Panola to visit the governor, Tazad, who knows Superman from past visits. They find the citizens in a riot, holding down a guardian. Tozad explains the people's anger over the loss of a planet and admits he contacted the Manhunters, whose existence is an open secret, therefore making the secret of the Manhunters really not a secret. Tozad wants justice for the destroyed planet. Tozad, the Guardian, and our happy little party of Justice Leaguers go off to visit the destroyed planet's moon and to determine what happened. And the Guardian's worried. They gave great power to someone, and it was used for such horrible purposes. Back on Earth, Mark Shaw takes time to provide his own backstory to his prisoners, monologuing, if you will, which allows another Guardian to get the jump on him. The Guardian looks at Hal Jordan and yells, Charge your ring! And Jordan finally does. With his ring charged, Hal Jordan, who was earlier surrendering and allowing himself to be held in custody, decides to go ahead and make an escape. Meanwhile, in space, the investigators go to the moon, and they are attacked by a Magnosaurus. The Magnosaurus is a creature of legend which eats metals. There is a bunch of fighty-fighty, and it just won't go down. Then Batman realizes something about the Magnosaurus. It is an illusion. What tipped off Batman? 
the moon is right where it should have been if there was a planet there. It never moved. Gravity never changed. Its orbit remained constant as if the planet was there the whole time. And with everyone now able to suspend belief with what they see, the Magnosaurus disappears. And the destroyed planet is no longer there. Uh, well, no longer not there. Who could have caused this problem? The Guardian pulls at Tozad's cloak and reveals... A Manhunter mask? Tozad had spent a lifetime as governor, and Tozad admits that he is a Manhunter. Tozad screams that the Manhunters hide everywhere, on all worlds, and as soon as our scream to discredit the Guardians succeeded, we were ready to strike, but nothing has changed. Billions of people saw a planet annihilated, and nothing you can do will change that. And like that, having delivered his mission statement, Tozad is gone. And across the universe, the Manhunters don their masks. Whew. As I begin to read this issue, my first eyes are on Mark Shaw. He seems so immature. He keeps kind of whining to the Grandmaster and, and meeting defeat. But buddy, you defeated the Justice League single-handedly, and yet you're a failure in your own eyes and in your masters? They act as if it's the tools and not the man who won the day? And I will admit, when he is maskless, he gets his hat handed to him quite a, pretty quickly. But where is this hotshot attorney who used to be strong and confident and Love justice. Steady whines like Luke Skywalker went to go to Tashi Station when someone with authority confronts him. And of course, he lets his guard down in the middle of monologuing, which allows a little blue man to jump him and retake the day. For heaven's sakes, Shaw took out half the Justice League by himself, and you would never, ever know it. He just comes off as not formidable, but whiny. Now, Mark Shaw is clearly not the most formidable enemy the League has ever faced. Uh, no, uh, this issue shows that it's the Grandmaster who defeats everyone over and over again with little or no effort. So good job, Grandmaster, for being one of those ultimate villains. Of course, that all ends when the... Flash, you know, just vibrates really, really fast to get himself out of the trash compactor. I mean, shrinking glass box. Um, but even then, you've really got to wonder, you know, they were defeated so quickly. Can the can the League take the Grandmaster? It, it almost makes me think about what's going to happen next as more Manhunters emerge across the galaxy. I mean, is the League going to be able to handle this? Well, what about Manhunters? What do we learn about them? Well, they're all about justice, and they're dedicated to their cause. Well, probably. We, we do learn that they have some sort of grudge against the Guardians. Not the Guardians of the Galaxy, but the Guardians of Oa. Um, and they're definitely out to get them. And part of what they're trying to do here is perception. They want to turn the galaxy against the Guardians. They want to make the galaxy turn against them, 
almost call for them to take their Green Lanterns down. We don't fully know why yet, uh, but they're really, really angry with the Guardians. And this really kind of reminds me of some more recent New 52 stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I know, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy on the brain. Uh, reminds me of some New 52 stuff with Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, Red Lanterns, uh, the 15 books of, that have all recently been canceled in the Green Lantern line, uh, where the Guardians have been throughout the universe discredited. And then the Green Lantern Corps has also experienced uh, a recent perception issue where an enemy made it appear that they were doing something that they weren't or perhaps were, but spreading word across the galaxy and really turning the galaxy against the galactic comps of the Green Lanterns. And that's happening in New 52. So this is, you know, the 70s, this idea of really, you know, public perception is key when it comes to Green Lanterns and the Guardians all the way back here. And again, the idea that, you know, some people don't like the Guardians. The Guardians are somewhat depicted in the, this pre-52 era as being, you know, they're cops, they're wise, they're, they're little Yodas. But really, not everybody likes them. Okay, the second weapon, the greatest weapon of the Manhunters is clearly invisibility um, because nobody's ever caught them in the act. No one knows they exist, well, except the entire universe uh, and Batman, who knows all about Paul Kirk. Um, But really, it's the fact that no one knows who they are that has been so key to the Manhunters being successful. They're able to hunt men because nobody knows they're there. And and Mark Shaw really explains away the Paul Kirk thing by calling him not a true Manhunter, though I'm pretty sure in uh, first uh, issue special it was Paul Kirk who was passing off the mask. But really, um, Shaw looks at Kirk as being something other than Manhunter Prime, other than something Manhunter cultish. And, and to be honest, that may be a good thing in the end um, for the Paul Kirk legacy. But maybe somewhere Paul Kirk is kind of shrugging his shoulders and saying, come on, I was a manhunter. I wore the mask. Um, the second attack against this claim is Tozad, who talks about how the manhunters are an open secret. Now, now we understand why he can say that and why he was able to contact the manhunters. And maybe they are an open secret because Tozad was a manhunter. Third, as we mentioned earlier, manhunters hate the Guardians. Could have a good reason why, could have a bad reason why. I don't know. We'll have to dig into that further. Um, how does Ma- Mark Shaw feel about the Guardians and the Green Lanterns? Again, something that we need to see further exploration with. Overall, uh, this is an older issue. You know, it's 1970s. I was a, a child who never read this. Um, but I really did enjoy this issue. I mean, you've got classic justice league you got batman you got superman um at times it might feel a little um super friends ish if you know what i mean one of my favorite moments with super friends is aquaman swims straight to the threat and it's sometimes that kind of happens here but you know it's sol- solid writing solid um pencils uh, solid overall effort and i'm really kind of excited for where we're going to go next which is next time we're going to read Justice League number 141 as Manhunters are going to cross the galaxy strike against the Guardians and the Green Lantern Corps. 
So uh, we got some time to get that time travel machine recharged because we got to go back, back, back in time even further before John Ostrander to pick up our next issue, which is Justice League 141. Hey, if you like uh, what I do here, even if you don't, do check me and Ben out at welcometolevel7.com with the seven spelled out where we discuss the Marvel Cinematic Universe and comic books because we have had a monthly episode recently about comic books now that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been released and we've been discussing MCU-related comic books also. Uh, And then also I've got some Disney writings, including some comic book stuff over at betweendisney.com. That's betweendisney.com. But until then, good luck, kids. Make good choices.